All right. This is the Stell Me About It podcast. I'm Stella Graham. This is where I get to talk to interesting people who know some stuff because I need it because I am a little bit thick, people. Now, my guest today is the fabulous Matthew Hutchinson. Hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Now, Matt, I'm going to call you because I know you as that as well. If you don't know him, he is a wicked stand-up comedian and a bit of a doctor. And my God, do I need some knowledge on this stuff. So this is what I want you to tell me about. What is it like being a doctor, particularly the flavor of doctor you are? Because I did I did a little a little Google. I had, a little, I had a, a little stalk. And that tends to be the danger when I do that, because I looked you up and it says that you are a rheumatology slash GIM registrar. Yeah, exactly. Try and then I looked on I looked on Twitter and it said junior doctor rheumatology gym and let me tell you i don't really know the difference exactly it's better to bamboozle people by making things as complicated as possible so then you know <laughs> you can just say anything at that point uh no so i mean uh, so junior doctor is probably the easiest one to explain basically everyone who's not a consultant uh, in the uk who is a doctor i mean uh-huh. or not a consultant or a gp right. um is a junior doctor so it's a bit of a misnomer in the sense you can be well well into your 30s and even your 40s and still be a junior doctor right Uh, that's that bit so um, while you're still in training um and then gim stands for general internal medicine which again is quite a vague term it's just general hospital medicine you know Ah. all the stuff that isn't surgery in a hospital and rheumatology is can i just before you uh because i know you're going to explain this beautifully this is what frustrates me right i looked up rheumatology i thought come on google step in here and help a sister out i type in rheumatology and google helpfully says rheumatology is a branch of medicine devoted to the diagnosis and therapy of rheumatic diseases and i'm like that's all very well google but i don't even know what rheumatic means so then i gotta look that up uh and from what i see it's a diseases that affect your joints tendons ligaments I can't even say it, joints, tendons, ligaments, bones, and muscles. And among them are many types of arthritis. Is Google right? Google is broadly right, yeah. So it's the (laughs) medical branch of medicine that deals with that. So not orthopedics, which is the surgical, more cool, sort of sexier branch of medicine that deals with it. We're the kind of boring nerd branch that just sort of strokes our chin and gives a medication. (laughs) Um, But I mean, in real terms, because most of those diseases that particularly ones you don't treat surgically or a lot of them are immune system diseases that cause that it's kind of branched out into more the treatment of immune inflammatory disease is really what we deal with in hospitals so things like rheumatoid arthritis but lupus and that kind of thing as well okay you know i'm going to ask what is lupus what is lupus so if you watch house it's never lupus <laughs> uh, but um it's a an autoimmune condition that can affect pretty much any bit of your body uh, and it is sort of characterized by inflammation doing the damage and sort of your body attacking itself. Okay. Fun so I, I uh, yeah, I was going to say, I have, I have many questions. First off, I'm always impressed by anyone who does medicine because I know I couldn't do it. So how many years of school? Like, well, in fact, how did you, at what age, education-wise, did you decide you wanted to do this? Because the school I went to, pretty sure nobody in my year went on to be a doctor. I don't I was know the only one in my decide. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, what someone else did eventually sort of as a postgrad, but no, I was definitely the only one in the year leaving school. Um, so when did I decide um, I wanted to be a doctor? Uh, probably around the same time my parents decided they wanted me to be a doctor. Uh, <laughs> you know, the two tended to somehow coincided quite, you know, nicely. So read into that what you will. 
Um, I think it's kind of more as you're going into A-levels where you're sort of looking at what you can choose. It's kind of, what am I actually good enough at to get into a proper university? Okay. Throwing no shade whatsoever. Um, And it was things like science, um, basically, with a bit of English. Okay. So was it that you quite liked blowing things up in chemistry or biology? You were like, I'm pretty good at this cutting lark like which yeah it was more that i just was bad at maths so i was like get rid of that okay uh, and then what was i left with I was, you know did english as well so just to mix it up but you know biology and chemistry i was certainly the best at ah okay okay so then from from there you go to a levels you do more more science more science yeah exactly just con- just think constant science but like <laughs> the, the thing about doctors is we're like in between in terms of how good you are at science like you're not probably smart enough to do pure physics and chemistry right uh, so it's kind of like science light but just lots of volume not very difficult stuff science light i love it yeah. that's that's how they should recruit and then uh, which uni did you go to uh, ucl university college london to the uh, thank you un- i like un-acronymed. that you stepped in yeah <laughs> I like that you she's not going to know what that means so let me just you know i just got to think of all people you know because it's a very london-centric and sort of uk-centric thing about ucl people know what mm-hmm. that is yeah yeah totally but it's it is london's global university though apparently that's their slogan well uh, you know so. being that i open this podcast with telling everyone how thick i am i'm i appreciate that you <laughs> straightened yeah, so i went to university that. college london uh, which had nothing to do with uh, the fact that my dad was technically employed by ucl so you know Ah, okay. So was it like a sort of friends and family scheme? Like when you've got oh, a mobile I did get phone a discount. Can... Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, particularly, you know, pre- all the people who paid top up fees will not enjoy knowing how cheap my university education was as a result ah, of that little loophole. Ask or no? No, <laughs> I don't think it would do my brand or popularity any good. Uh, but was, I think they've stopped that rule now because they were like, this is woefully unfair. Right. Um, well, that was going to be a question. You said that a lot of the influence came from your parents. So, uh, well, I was going to ask, are either of your folks medical? But I don't so, know my dad is, so my dad is a research biochemist employed by UCL. Okay, uh, okay. So, so obviously, you not by the sounds of this incriminating part. I know he's, he's long retired. It's absolutely fine. But, you know, in terms of if you think about the influence of that, and my mum was a science teacher. Um, so, and but she has a PhD though as well. But, um, and then both me and my brother went to UCL to do medicine. So uh-huh. there's probably something in the parental occupation. I mean, that. knowing now that your mum is a science teacher, you, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm quite glad you did well at science at school. That would have been yeah, well exactly. It would have been quite embarrassing otherwise. Just uh, yeah, you wouldn't have been allowed to suck at that. So you had to do had to do well. Yeah, at that. there was only one thing you're allowed to do in our house. It's kind of science <laughs> or more science. <laughs> so how many years at UCL? Uh, six. Six, and then from there you went to. So uh, oh, I spent a year in Basildon, just because oh. uh, everyone gets uh, gets sent out. You everyone know, gets to live their dream. A, it, right? Exactly, it's a punishment for you now. Uh, so you do one year out of London, one year one year in when you're a junior doctor in that particular area. Okay. Um, and then I've been in London ever since. But that was so I've been a doctor since 2012. Oh right, okay. So a long time it feels like now. And then at what point? Because my limited understanding is that mm. you try out a couple of fields within medicine then go I'm gonna I'm gonna zero in on rheumatology yeah. so tell me about that journey how you so you do yeah certainly so you do a couple of years you do your foundation years which is when you're kind of completely new green doctor uh sort of knowing barely anything definitely in your oh, yeah. foundation year one or at least I was um and then you can do sort of a mix of surgical and medical specialties after that you 
sort of tend to pick either GP or surgery or medicine. And then so chose medicine. And then once you've done sort of a few different medical specialties for you, you choose which one you want to stick with. Mm-hmm. But often in tandem, sticking with general medicine, as I've done. Okay. And what was it that made you go for rheumatology? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question because it's a specialty given that <laughs> you have you to explain what it? it is to no 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 you have to explain it to, <laughs> to, as to most people what it is yeah and I think most people tend to go into medicine thinking they want to be surgeons and do something that okay. looks exciting on tv um so I guess uh, you know you know surgery looks exciting on tv but there's a lot of it standing does. up a lot of standing around for a long time oh, and yeah. quite early starts so you know <laughs> early starts that's that out the window um uh-huh. and then as sort of immunology so immune system diseases quite interesting Mm-hmm. um so that was what drove because you know in terms of things that deal with that rheumatology is one of the more common specialties or you know more hospital specialties that deal with that sort of immune system inflammatory disease which is what i found interesting okay and it's not like people talk about the immune system much these days not with no exactly immune. suddenly covid's <laughs> made the specialty really really exciting and interesting so you know lots of the drugs the arthritis drugs that uh they're using to treat covid now are stuff that we use all the time in rheumatology so suddenly someone needs us to oh my so you were ahead of your time time. exactly we are it's it's, it's our moment in the uh, in the in the sunshine i see so were you just like i'm biding my time but one day this is this is going to be the place to be yeah i mean if anything a more conspiratory uh minded person might think what what, what vested interest rheumatologists have in 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 covid (laughs) did you buy stocks in the medicines and yeah stocks in tocilizumab no, if only I knew what that meant. But I guess that's, that's one. So of that's the, the arthritis ones. drug, exactly. That's what. That's one of the <laughs> the arthritis drug that's having a bit of a blockbuster year because everyone's excited about what it can do for COVID patients. Ah, right. Okay. See, I didn't even know that because all I ever hear is about the vaccine. Mm. I, I don't know what's in it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the vaccine's probably the ideal choice. You know, prevention <laughs> being better than treatment. Yeah. So, what is it the um, the the medicine you just mentioned, toxi something? Oh. So it's an arthritis drug uh, that suppresses a component of your immune system that is thought by some people to be very important in causing the immune system damage mm. that is done by COVID. Thought by some people. That's some very uh, it's, it's get diplomatic. Out of jail yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> well, it's it, uh, the reason I say this is because you know with anything, any time anything big is discovered in medicine, people will disagree about it. And often the people agreeing with it may have some kind of vested financial interest in it or have uh, backed that as an academic theory in the past. So it kind of helps to perpetuate something that they sort of, you know, put their money or their name to. Mm-hmm. Um, and tocilizumab, this particular medication, there have been four big clinical trials using it. And there's been other ones as well. Um, and they've all kind of shown different outcomes uh, so uh-huh. some of them show benefits, some of them show it does nothing, and at least one of them shows it does a bit of harm. So great, that's what we want. Yeah, inconsistent across the board. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then again, more research, more, more, more funding. And uh, is that something that you would ever be involved in, or no? You're more um, prescribing. So I am actually about. So not that specific research i'd certainly be involved potentially in prescribing it to patients uh, mm-hmm. when i'm treating covid um, but i am actually about to go out of at least quite a lot of you know, stop a lot of the clinical practice that i'm doing and do a phd which is in covid and inflammation right so, okay so long after everyone's hopefully vaccined up and forgetting about it you're still going to be beavering away exactly and- i'll still be in the lab uh 
trying to find out exactly what COVID does to sales. Exactly. Just be like (laughs) sort of two or three years on when it's no longer trendy or fashionable. You're telling people about it's like, oh, that's so 2020. Yeah, that's right. You'll be like waving this paper and they're like, we don't care. We just don't don't give a shit. Have you not heard about COVID-3? (laughs) Exactly. So um, how have you found it day to day doing the job with everything going on with the distancing and it really varies because I mean in the first so in the first wave I was really I was in A&E basically most of the time so I was doing more general medicine when the first wave hit so I think I can remember there was a one night shift where it felt like almost sort of from one day to the next sort of one day it was completely normal the next day everyone was coming in with chest infections that were possibly or felt to be COVID Um, so that seemed quite that's quite a shock Um, and that was really busy and it was busy for a couple of months after that Um, then obviously we had the summer last year and I've moved jobs in between went back to doing more rheumatology and that was completely the opposite because it's mostly a clinic specialty uh, but you're not bringing people into hospital so it's a bit like working in a call center Uh, right okay so you're just phoning people going you all right (laughs) how's it going (laughs) and and how I mean that's got to be quite tricky when you're used to having people in front of you to suddenly like yeah, yeah. I mean, so well, I, I mean, one of the pluses, I've got a headset now, so it's like working literally in a call center. Um, but yeah, it's very difficult to tell if someone's truly on death's door and they're just being stoic over the phone, or on the right. flip side, if someone's just you know making a mountain out of a molehill, like all oh, my joints are swollen, and then mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah, and that's, assessing people if they have joint pain but no swelling, mm-hmm. is it one of those things where you, they could be lying? Well, we're not lying. We don't like to accuse our patients of lying. I mean, um, I mean, yeah. that's that's more... just my shorthand for being, you know, creative with the truth. No, they're more just maybe experiencing pain that we cannot detect inflammation and swelling associated with. And there are <laughs> many complex reasons why patients may have that. Um, but a lot of I words mean, to, to not say lying. I'm impressed. This is true. Well, you know. One okay. doesn't want to say anything too controversial. I mean, you know, you can obviously do yeah, tests and sure. do all, lots of other multiple, but you know, it's, it's very difficult. And I think also lots of patients are frustrated at not being able to see their doctor as well. Mm-hmm. So often you might be the only doctor that they've spoken to for several months. They kind of unburden themselves of not just their arthritis problems, but they go, by the way, I've got this heart pain. And it's just like, go oh, to A&E. That kind of yeah, thing. yeah. I have a similar thing whenever I visit my mum and it's like, oh, and while you're here, I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> you asked yeah, me no, to come it, and that do is one basically thing. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah, while Once you're your foot here. To the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how different is your time in general medicine compared to going back to rheumatology day to day? It's really very different. So I mean, because I mean, dealing with people's chronic problems is far more about how things are affecting their quality of life mm-hmm. versus when people are in hospital with a particular problem, it's kind of a bit more life and death. So it's literally like, oh, you're in the hospital with something that could feasibly kill you. Right. Whereas, yeah. you know, the other way is more like, okay, it's still a major problem, but it's more how is it affecting your ability to work and do different activities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, almost equally important, but very different level of acuity. Acuity, another big word that I'm going to have to go um, after this. Yeah, I mean, I guess how would you describe that nowness, suddenness? So if something's acute, it's happening now and oh, I'm with within you. this time frame, kind of. I told you I'm thick, Matt. Um, but the thing I find interesting, we we both do stand up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can turn up to a gig being a bit worse for wear. You shouldn't, mm-hmm. but you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a consummate professional, but you to speak for yourself, Stella. <laughs> but that's what I was about to say. That's the job you do. It's the kind of job you, you can't really phone it in, can you? You've always you can't really phone it. it in. 
Yeah, I mean, but there are certain days, obviously, when you're feeling more enthused than others. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I would never put myself in this category, but absolutely um, not. No. no, of course. But uh, as I will call back to the fact that I worked at Basildon Hospital, uh-huh. and um, on a Thursday uh, there was a local nightclub called Bas Vegas. Uh, Sounds amazing. Would yeah. have free entry for NHS staff, oh. and uh, was also three drinks for the price of one. Mm. Um, so certain people may have turned up to work worse wear on a Friday. Wow. Unnamed hospital staff. So, you know, Absolutely. Read into that yeah. what you will. That's an interesting drink special because uh, I grew up in Coventry and there was a club called Mr. G's back in the day and they had a student night where it was buy one, get three free. Buy one, get th- so four drinks. Yes. Yeah. They even, I'm old. They even had 50p a drink <laughs> night. This is So I turn up with a shilling. Um, yeah. So you could be quite a mess on a tenner effectively um but if you're going to let nhs staff in <laughs> for free and then do drinks we were students at least yeah. and trust exactly me, no, no one's makes, life yeah <laughs> not medical students well we weren't anyway yeah. so yeah it does seem somewhat unethical now that i think back to it but you know i don't think they're probably doing that drink special anymore no no it had a light up dance floor that was that, one of its main selling points <laughs> the baz vegas is it still yeah. there or is it gone and I think I'm not sure if that is using that name, but it's one of those kind of it's like in the middle of a leisure park, uh-huh. um, this sort of network of four nightclubs that are connected to each other. So they didn't always open all of them, but I think there was a liquid and envy or whatever it was called. It was like one a of jumping them. jacks or something like that. Yeah. One of them was called New York, New York. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. It's classy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and OK, so how different? I mean, obviously they're massively different, but are there any sort of transferable skills that you've found from doing both stand-up and being an um, actor? Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, you have to talk a lot for both of them mm-hmm. uh, and often try and talk your way out of, uh, shall we say, difficult situations. Uh-huh. I think, you know, yeah. you know, you know, lose, you can, you can lose a, a room, a room with a patient just as much as you can lose a, a crowd <laughs> and trying to win that back over. You know, it's, it's like sometimes I think, doing a consultation is a bit like emceeing we really? have to kind of let them know you know let them get involved enough but then sort of le- learn when to shut people up as well yeah um, but so i mean I, I also i think in interviews certainly being able to talk about comedy has served me quite well because you can just mm-hmm. steer because they're far more interested to hear about that than you know yeah. a lot of what they've been hearing the other candidates talk about so in my interview for this phd that i'm going to do yeah they asked me about resilience so they were asking, you know, well, you know, if you're very passionate about something, but it doesn't go your way, uh, what do you do to, you know, mm-hmm. mitigate that? And I just was like, oh, you know, sometimes in comedy, you might get rejected from an audition. <laughs> You've got to power through. And they Perfect. liked it, so, you know, um, there are transferable which, skills. That's good. Which one has the trickier heckler? Uh, I mean, I feel like the heckler, actually, to be fair, sometimes that can happen in any, but I feel like the hecklers at comedy are more likely to physically attack you after your set. Okay. So, you know, there's always that. They're more drunk as well, usually. Although, I mean, A&E is probably about a dead heat. Uh, <laughs> I wondered that, actually, yeah, because you... Oh, yeah, I can imagine, actually, that there's got to be a fairly close-run thing. And how have you found... I mean, after a long shift, I'm assuming you do long hours, NHS, mm. right? You then have to do a gig. That must be knackering. So, I mean, I don't tend to do it if I'm doing a sort of 12 or 11-hour shift, like, you know, an on-call shift. Right, but right. only if you're just doing a normal clinic day nine to five it's not too bad usually yeah, okay. okay um but yeah you, you know i wouldn't go straight from a and e usually sort of because also the, you just have time but well i was going to ask have you ever done a stand-up gig and seen a patient in the crowd it's like that's my doctor 
it has happened at least i think you know that definitely has happened i can always forget which way around it happened i'm pretty sure someone saw me in hospital uh-huh. having seen me at a gig which i think was more scary for them because their sort of you know face goes ashen <laughs> as they realize that the person who is their doctor is a comedian <laughs> um and then, and I, then think... I guess go on no no i was just saying and then i think outside a gig someone was like oh you were my dad's doctor that's weird so it's that happened the worrying both ways. thing the worrying thing could be now if anyone does stalk you and they're like well mm. i can't get an appointment with him but i mm. know when he's doing a gig so i might just heckle my ailments from the back yeah. of the room oh, i've got inflammation what do you recommend <laughs> yeah but i mean sometimes it works it's quite a good MC- it's funny emceeing sort of uh, technique just to ask people you know what's the last ailment you went to the doctor with nothing too embarrassing Preferably. yeah yeah so as long as you've got the knowledge to back it up because they would be in a right old state if they were asking me so uh, now we have reached that point in the pod where I do want to ask everybody loves a shout out would you like mm-hmm. to shine a spotlight on a mate yeah sure I mean I mean does it ma- matter that it's also sort of his business that is kind of concurrently part of the thing so you know hopefully they'll send you some free merch or food, oh I would love that because it is a food business <laughs> yes uh, so I mean, yeah that's a shout out to I mean, lot, anyone who works in the catering industry at the moment I mean people have given obviously a lot of spotlight on how hard people in the NHS are working but you know people mm-hmm. are trying to keep their living together having probably poured all of their savings into it yeah uh, i've got a lot of respect for them so my friend joel bowen runs oh my dog uh, okay. which is a hot dog uh sort of gourmet i should emphasize hot dog uh business and so they you know they're, they're doing amazingly well like you know they're at curb and sort of lots of the big summer festivals and kind of for want of a better word that whole industry has gone to shit um yeah curb is so, one of those um street market food type yeah things. the one in camden um yeah. is i think one of his main sites but yeah just a shout out to you know him sort of pushing through is the main person i could think of and anyone else who works in the catering industry my other friend max as well was uh, i mean he's not doing a business so fuck him but um <laughs> So, oh my dog, gourmet hot dogs. Yeah, exactly. Do you have a favourite? Which one? Um, I mean, the, the, there's this. I think the classic, just the classic, oh my dog, base, you know, normal hot dog, but no need uh-huh. to overcomplicate it. Okay, that's the the benchmark. You don't need yeah, to get exactly. too fancy with it. No, oh my dog. Sense. All right, cool. Uh, just before we go, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about that you're doing? Anything you want to plug? Yeah, I mean, I will hopefully be doing a split show with Benji Waterstones, another great doctor comedian uh, this summer at the Camden Fringe because no one fancies taking a punt on Edinburgh. Um, But I think that will be good. Yeah, so we'll be putting a couple of shows up uh, with more details to be announced as and when. Uh, So that should be August, right? Camden Fringe? Yeah. And will it be online in any format for... I don't. I hope not. No. (laughs) I've not I've not bought into the whole online gig thing Uh, I mean some people I mean and I I say that not because I think they are bad more just Mm because I think I would be bad at them and I think I'd get very self-conscious about them I think I've done one in the whole of lockdown that is a shame because you do have quite a nice setup with the uh with the mic and things yeah so this is for like podcasting and stuff but uh yeah fair enough well, cool. Uh, all of the links to all the good stuff you're doing and social media and stuff will be posted in the YouTube description and in the podcast notes. Thank you so much for hanging out. It's been wicked spending time with you, Matthew Hutchinson. No problem. Thanks for having me. Cheers.